1: Men and women spend a third of their lives working. Today, we take a look at our current approach to the work environment and how refeminizing the workplace may empower us all, inside the bedroom and out. Today we're talking with Lisa Marie Jenkins, author of Wake Up Beauty, It's Not About the Prince, about
2: refeminizing the workplace. You're listening to TNA Talk Sex, where we push your boundaries. I'm T, <laughs> and I'm A. <laughs> <laughs> so we have we're working on a new name yes okay so this we're is, turning our name over from pushing boundaries with TNA to TNA talk sex has a little bit to do with SEO and a little bit to do with um, searchability so and also yeah like we're passionate about sexuality and balancing that with a fuller human experience so thank you listeners for joining us on that, <laughs> that new <adventure>. marketing shift <laughs>
1: So um, okay, so this sh- I'm I'm super excited to bring on Lisa. She'll she'll be joining us in a second. Yeah, I found her by I was listening to a different podcast and he was grilling her and I loved everything that she was saying and I'm like oh my god we have to talk to this woman.
2: <laughs> yeah, grilling her about the uh, the male female dynamic and I kind know. of all yeah. the miscommunication that's happening right now around creating gender equality.
1: I know, and it's such a hot topic right now, but I feel like this conversation that we're, you're about to embark on is it's really honing into the core, I think, of male-female approach to the work environment. And this totally relates to our sexuality. How can you, I mean, <laughs> we're at work all the time. Right, a third of your life.
2: Uh, and also, I think, I think it speaks to, well, frankly, female female sexuality and their comfort with it and uh and all of it kind of just folds into your identity and what's going to give you a fuller experience Experience sexually I mean
1: I mean one thing that I talk about well we I don't know it's a passionate thing of mine is this whole notion which is why I'm like when Louise is like using this term refeminizing the world I'm like yes because I feel like uh it has we have become stronger as women and and that's great but I do feel like there perhaps we need to be careful about how we're going about it and I totally feel my own experience has been um being strong and independent I've been a business owner my entire uh, this is crazy to even think about I've never worked for anyone else uh, outside (laughs) of high school I've only ever worked for myself
2: I've worked for (laughs) other people but yeah but Not as much. But I will say, like, but
1: being put into that role and, like, trying to maneuver my way through um, being a business owner as a, like, on my own as a woman, I, yeah, there has been a lot of, like... not issues but it has been a learning curve of being too strong or being this and you know try, trying to do it like a man when I'm younger and I don't really know what I'm doing yeah and, trying to do it like and a it man. does affect my sexuality it t- like totally does like I, I'm not confined. I'm not able to be more vulnerable in the bedroom or um
2: it's well just, yeah you end up all up in your head right I have to say I think more women will orgasm more frequently faster they'll have less problems the more we I totally agree
1: in the workplace <laughs> uh, okay so so yeah oh and I should I share the story with, yeah okay so my this woman my my sort of second mother told me this story about her experience my mom died in 2004 and so she, she's yeah she's like a mom and she uh so she is in the media and she was one of the f- she I think she was the first, if not one of the first news anchors to go to be reporting on sports. So it's a total I mean, male that is a male dominated still is. market. It is. Yeah. Yes. But uh, so she was the she was a, one of the trailblazing women in this. And she told me this story about being um you know, she was it, the the whole thing about feminism at that time. This must have been in the 70s mm-hmm. um, was like, oh, women will have made it once they get into the locker room. So now <laughs> here is like the first show where they wanted to send her into the locker room to get these interviews from all these football players. And and she was like. I don't want to go into the locker room. That's disgusting in there. (laughs) It's like full of naked. For me, I'm like, this sounds great, but full of naked, sweaty, you know, big guys. And she's, you know, a short little woman. And I, I, she's like, I have no desire to go into that locker room, but you know, here's this group of male news anchors who are like, you know, pushing their way and fighting and it's really aggressive. And everyone that's like dog eat dog, trying to get the best interview She's like, F this. I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it. So she went around and she uh, she had made friends with the coach earlier, like throughout her time working there. And so she had developed relationships and she went around the back to the back door and waited patiently after for all those, you know, all the dog eat dog men (laughs) to get out, you know, get their interviews and barking at them. And so, yeah, right. And and so finally at the end, um, you know, the star athlete that everyone was trying to get came out he knew that she was waiting there came out and gave her this super solid one-on-one interview he was totally he was on his own he wasn't you know surrounded by this mass of you know aggressive energy and whatnot so he he quieted down he was appreciative of the solitude and the one-on-one attention and totally opened up and gave her the most amazing interview and so and and and
2: whatever her rating sword and so for you it's, it's the prime example of a feminine It approach. is, well
1: it is and that's what we she and I were having this conversation and 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 it, it was like for like three hours about you know yeah. the feminine way of, of working and and it really is she's like I didn't I put my foot down I wasn't going to sacrifice what made me feel powerful as a you know I didn't want to have to bend To the way the men were doing things Which didn't feel right I wanted to be my authentic woman Feminine self and do it my way And it It not only worked But she became known for Getting that style of intimate interviews With these you know super um, You know manly athletes So that's one example Where I'm like there you go like we are we can be more effective maybe
2: right so that led us to no that led us to wanting to talk with Lisa (laughs) Lisa. (laughs) because she wrote this great book that really hits on all of these issues that I'm frankly have been rattling around in my own head I mean I worked at an architecture two architecture firms and kind of you know different places where those are male-dominated communities as well and I always felt like I definitely brought more feminine into the space but yeah But How in, in, could you not? Tia? Yeah, exactly. I'm just super feminine and love to wear feminine clothes. And
1: <laughs> she flits about the world in a beautiful way. Thanks. Um, so let's introduce introduce Lisa. Lisa, hi. Hi. Let me tell everybody That's a little gone. bit about you because <laughs> thank you for being with it. We're we're yeah, super no, excited I'm to I'm excited talk. to be here. Yay. <laughs> um, so Lisa, you you your book came out earlier this year. Uh, Wake up, beauty. It's not about the prince. You can find her book everywhere um you can also check out her website lisa marie jenkins.com and you can find her on twitter at lisa jenkins 920 and lisa god you've had like 20 plus years at fortune 500 high tech companies and in, in um Management like sales and marketing positions. You're a consultant and a speaker and executive coach specializing in feminine leadership. And you've given talks and workshops at like Xerox and Google. So she's totally immersed in this world. Google official like officializes everything. I know, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I was at Google. Done. Yeah. They found her worthy. (laughs) And you're also a regular contributor to Huffington Post, which I I love. Um, So. You're the woman to talk to. Thank
0: you.
2: <laughs> if anyone's so going to help us.
0: That's the story, by the way, of, of your friend and the female sports news reporter. And you know what, what as you were telling the story, what, what clicked for me is because she chose to use emotional intelligence and to connect human being to human being instead of getting all caught up on that typical male testosterone competitive out to win. You know, pursuance of getting the interview, right, or getting the the take on the game or whatever. Right. So, so that's what I mean. That's what it really. When I say re- rehumanize, refeminize, they're the same to me. Right. It means being you know, emotional intelligence back in, and you you hear the terms B to B, B to C, meaning B to business, B, business to business, business to customer. But I say forget all of that. Like go H to A. It's about human to human connection because that's why she succeeded in that interview. Was because it was about connecting to another human being, right? And getting to the real story instead of that frenzy male kind of aggressive testosterone I'm competitive out to win thing. Right. So it's a cool story. It
1: is a cool yeah, I thought so too. That's why like we like launched this huge long discussion over morning coffee. Um but my so when you mentioned that one thing that comes to mind and I wanna clear this off the deck for all of our male listeners right now, this is not about male bashing. This is not about bashing the masculine approach as as you're just talking about, you know, the aggressive male way of doing things. There's a time and a place for everything. Well and
2: also I think it's not it doesn't mean you're a man, therefore you're doing it wrong. It's like men and women have a feminine and masculine energy that I think Lisa, yes. you talk a lot about. Yes.
0: And that's the big piece. So when I look at if you go back to the nineteen fifties Men, okay, so we all have a, um, a feminine and a masculine side, whether you call it the yin and the yang, um, whether you call it the right brain, left brain, but it's, it's about we're all responsible as individuals to create more balance as, as a masculine, feminine aspects of us, and that has nothing nothing to do with sexual orientation and it has nothing to do with how you dress right whether you dress feminine or not There's certainly women that are very feminine dressers and are very masculine women in how they conduct themselves in the world and they are you know heterosexual so it's not about that but primarily if you look at the 1950s i'll go all the way back there and it goes back all the way to caveman days men Pri- primarily resided in their masculine or the left side of their brain. And that is the aggressive, the analytical, the decisive, the resilient. It's the very linear, competitive kind of place and not very tuned into their right brain, which is more of the creative, the intuitive, the passionate, the empathetic, um, spiritual, whatever you want to call it, the creative, the artistic part. And, and when you looked at even relationships up to the 50s men were protector and providers and women were the nurturers and the the selfless and the empathetic and compassionate right so they they played very specific roles but what's happened, you know the 1970s moved women into the, you know, the angry bar, you know, brawl burning stage, which was kind of needed to get the ball rolling. But that's not what feminism is about anymore, right? There's I like to call it the feminista, because saying you're a feminist is almost has a negative connotation, because it means you're angry, and you're in opposition to men. I and totally agree. That's not what it's about. But what's happened is women have really started upping their, you know, since 1985, the year I graduated college marked the year that women started earning 50 50% of all degrees, and now women earn 60 to 65% of degrees, both bachelor and, and graduate degrees. And we've been in the workforce full force now since since the mid 80s. And so women have upped their masculine. They're getting they're more educated. They're more assertive. They're more analytical. They're more decisive. But men haven't upped their feminine game. Right? They haven't moved to the place of being more collaborative, loyal, flexible, intuitive, um, passionate. Compassionate, right? So, so what's happened is, I, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had men say to me, like, Lisa, I, I can't even imagine dating you, like, well, you, you don't <laughs> need, you don't need me, and I'm like, well, why do I need you? Like, I, I want you as a, as a playmate, as a sexual partner, as you know,
2: companionship, companion, enjoying I said, conversation.
0: Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to need you, right? That, that puts me in a, a vulnerable space. But, so men don't know who they are when they're not in a role of Provider protector, and that's what you guys picked up on that podcast. Is that that's very threatening to men. Just like a guy saying to me, "I wouldn't even know how to date you. Like you, you won't quote need me. It's like okay, that's got. To... So what it what's about is women are coming into balance in their masculine and feminine qualities and it still means that they have a role as a woman versus a man, but men are, are, are are still lagging behind. So I think that's what it's about. So when I say refeminize the world and, and I just, I worked in very male dominated industry and where usually I was one woman to every 20 guys in any meeting or conference that you went to. And what I, I noticed is that there was a lot of There was a lot of lack of passion and purpose and real connection, and it was just all about winning for the sake of winning and from a competitive place, and I I saw like how much we needed to bring that human element back in, but I saw women capable- but not but but they thought I got to do it a man's way. I got to right. be totally masculine to succeed. And that's where I think women have to be more vulnerable and more strong so they can bring their true feminine strengths into the workplace and not think they have to do it like a man, right? Cuz I don't want to see a woman dressed in drag or a man dressed in drag seeming like a woman leader and you see a lot of that.
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, Well, I, yeah, I I was going to say something that I think I struggled with and a fear I have is that for women, we've been taught to kind of push into the masculine and then we end up, we've had to, right. That was part of the journey,
1: but it's no longer.
2: Right. But in a way that we're neglecting the feminine and and maybe there's fear of, of voicing it, like you're saying in the workplace. So, so as a woman, you can end up with blinders on, um, because you're not living in your fullest capability.
0: Yeah, because there's this whole – there's a double-edged sword going on for women right now in that um, they – you can't be seen as nice and competent. Like if you're too nice, then you're not seen as competent. And if you're you're too competent and assertive and decisive, then you're not seen as nice. And so it's like – we're in this unconscious gender biasing of women are redefining our roles and people are still trying to stereotype them. And I think a great explanation and this just blew me away the first time I saw it. So there was a woman, she was a, a Google executive. Her name is Heidi Royzen, and she left not Google. I'm sorry, Apple. She left Apple and she started her own venture capitalist venture capital firm in, Silicon Valley. And she was so wildly successful that Harvard did a business case study on her. And then these two professors at Columbia University took this Harvard business case and they divided their students into half. And so one half, and, and there were men and women in both groups equally, by the way. So they gave one group the initial the original case study with Heidi Roisen, and they gave the other group the exact same case study and they changed one word. They changed Heidi to Howard. Didn't change another word word in the document and then they pulled them separately and what came back is they found them equally competent and to me that's like duh how could you not they had the same credentials the same level of success but they loved Howard Howard was a great guy totally trust Howard would love to work for him he's a real leader Heidi don't like her wouldn't trust her she's out for herself certainly wouldn't want to work for her so why is it that when we see two completely same situations, but when it's a female, we judge her so harshly for being powerful and successful?
1: I mean, that blows That's, me away. It does, I mean, this is, yeah, it, me too. <laughs>
0: I don't know.
1: You
2: don't know what?
0: Really? (laughs) No, I'm saying I know that that's
2: what happens, but it's like, why is that? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it has to just be because women were never in the workplace. It's programming. Mm -hmm. I
1: think it's just programming. But like this is a this is why we talk about this on the show is like we so need to be aware because that kind of programming is running in the background of our lives constantly
2: well, yes. It's like low-level noise for a woman the minute she steps into an office with her first Absolutely. her first day of work. But we do that. Absolutely. We
1: judge ourselves that way too. I, I know. You know. I mean,
2: that's what I mean. The critical buzz in the back of your head going, "Well, don't do this. Don't do that. You'll be perceived like this."
1: So, Lisa, how do we counteract that? Well,
0: I think if you, I mean, it's, I like to, call, I call it unconscious gender bias, right? It's, it's their stereotypes, their, it's judgment, they're old outdated stereotypes is what it is. And we just, unless we become conscious of it, we'll just default to women are nice and supportive and emotional and men are driven and leaders, right? Like, it's like, we got to stop the stereotypes that women only, you know, fall into this one. So it's, it's becoming consciously aware, like noticing it, calling it out when you see it. It can be like I speak at a lot of conferences that aren't I've spoken a lot of tech conferences and I can tell you right now You rarely will see in the speaker lineup. There might be 20 speakers and you're lucky if there's one woman in there Right, it's, so it's it's calling it out when you notice it But if you look at where in in the US, I mean men women only represent 4.7% of Fortune 500 CEOs. And in major tech companies, women only represent 20% of employees. And that's across the board in all roles. And and so female heads of state for around the world, women have only represented 6% of the countries worldwide. So if men are still primarily the decision makers, we got to start educating them that this exists and to start calling yourself out on it and noticing, are you judging her differently? Even if you, I've seen, heard many men be very pro-women in the workplace, but they have this unconscious gender bias going on that they don't even realize that they're judging her differently than they're judging um, the male counterpart. May
1: I question, I want, this is coming to mind as we're talking, but I wonder if, and this gets a little bit esoteric, perhaps. What do you want to say? eh? Well, what I want to say is I wonder if there would be more, if men would react differently and if then those numbers would change and increase, if women were actually going about this in a more feminine way instead of trying to continue to breach this world through the masculine way, Which, I wonder if, the, if I'm envisioning a woman who's like fully in her power, in her feminine power, also not neglecting her masculine side as well, but like a balanced, wholesome, full, empowered yes. feminine woman i feel like men would automatically that's been my experience anyway in my business world there's this magical thing that happens when i'm fully in that zone yes exactly cuz
0: that's when you're the most powerful
1: right and i feel like i feel like these issues would just disintegrate
2: well, can i can I ask, are there examples of women that you see doing it? I mean, I know you spoke at Xerox. The CEO there is a woman, um, the Yahoo CEO. I mean these kinds of things. Yeah, are, are you still seeing
0: examples? Are you of that? still
1: seeing masculine style feminine leaders? Does I've seen a lot of
0: them still. Yeah. I'm seen it shift and I'm, I'm starting to see more men come into, to balance with their feminine, right? I'm seeing more men that are, are, they have humility. They have, they're willing to be vulnerable. They're, they're willing to not play the game, you know, of just putting on the mask and being tough and, you know, no kinks in the armor, don't show any weakness. I'm starting to see more men step into that. But I think as, so what I see in most women where they struggle is, they're not decisive and they're afraid of failure. So they, they're, they're not resilient when they screw up or, and women struggle with, there's a big barrier still in gender communication for the most part. And I think this is why I did so well in male dominated industry, because I'm a really direct to the point communicator, but men tend to just get to the net net and they'll give you, they'll give you a very direct to the point, communication. Mm -hmm. And then if there's more supporting details needed or required or asked for, they'll give it women do the exact opposite. They give you all the details. They give all you the support. They go round and round and round in circles before they finally get to the point. And that really hurts women in the workplace because that's something that is a negative on the feminine side, right? We, we use too many words to communicate and it's almost a, I call it tentative speech. It's almost as yes. if we feel we have to justify what we're going to say before I- we Say it or apologize for our case existence. in point.
1: So, I just did it. Like I do it all the time, held even on the all? Yeah, no, tongue. I do. I totally. Yeah, no. Keep sorry. Is there more? Keep going. You can keep. Yeah, I <laughs> I'm Sorry. I just wanted to show you that there was an, <laughs> I, there's an example that just happened.
0: <laughs> but you know, one of the things that happened for me and that led to my book is that I was really successful in corporate, and I saw a lot of successful women, and I. I saw women do one of two things, either they they felt like they had to lead like a man and do it a very the old, very traditional masculine way, or they had or they just backed off and they they played small instead of sharing what they could have really contributed and their own skills and their own magic and their own talents, because they were afraid they couldn't, they had to do it a man way or they couldn't do it at all kind of thing. And that's what I'm starting to see shift a little bit. And I kind of, maybe I'll give you an example of where it would show up for me in the workplaces. My last full-time role at Cisco, I was in the engineering organization and I was in a business unit for, for cloud and it was a startup unit. Now I am not an engineer. I was a phys ed major in college, right? Wow. I'm more of a business. So everybody in my team was an engineer and some of them very highly qualified engineers, right? Went to Harvard, went to MIT, went to Berkeley. So a lot of intellectual capital in that room that can be really, and I'm not that, I'm smart, like I'm bright and I'm, I'm very intuitive with people and I have a lot of emotional intelligence, but I don't have that kind of left brain intellect. It's just not how I'm built. But there would be times we would be having meetings and discussing ideas and and next steps and strategy. And I would come up with ideas that they, they were an intuitive gut feel. And I knew that I could be kind of laughed at or they would think I was silly or they'd ask me for where's the data behind that idea or whatever. But I and so what would happen is this fear would come up like, oh, my God, I can't say that. I can't speak that. And I'd get this knot in my throat and I'd feel all fleshed mm-hmm. around my throat and my face. And what I learned was is when I felt that was my trigger, my compass to say it needs to be said. It mm-hmm. needs to be put out there. It needs to be said differently. It needs to be and and sometimes it was met pretty openly and sometimes it was met like they looked at me like I had three heads, right? But the the point is is that we all have to get to a place where we can allow that vulnerability. Because that's what allows true creativity and caring about the greater good and making positive impact. And that the the bottom line can no longer just be about winning and Profit the bottom line has to include how are we impacting the world in a positive way and how are we caring about the greater good and how are we contributing to our society and that it's about the people so to answer your question and it's funny that you brought up xerox because if you look at CEOs of fortune 500 there's women represent 4.7% and xerox is now on their second female CEO. And the mm-hmm. first one, Anne Mulcahy, and I just saw her. She they did a she's retired now, and she sits on boards. But they did a fireside chat with her at the Xerox conference I was just at two weeks ago in Dallas. And she's a true feminine leader. She's one of those. She just has balance, and she. The bottom line is she cares about people, and she cares about doing the right thing, and and for and has integrity. And it was so cool to see that a heart driven leader from a feminine yet very brilliant woman at the same time. And her, her, the person that's now, her name is Ursula Burns. She's an engineer and she's completely left brain and she's completely masculine. And she has, I don't see those feminine leadership qualities Mm -hmm. in her at all yet. She's not only a woman's CEO of of less than 5%, she's also the first black um, American woman to be a fortune 500 CEO. So, 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 but she did it the man way, which right. is just really interesting to me. I feel like we
1: need new, new, like new words, new vocabulary, because it's like, y- yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, well, she's a woman, but you're a woman, but like, are you doing it with these qualities or those qualities? Like, that's what I want to know.
0: <laughs> and that's why I think we almost need to take out that it's about men and women. It's about totally what, agree. what's being called for is. We need authentic and that can be a really overused word and right today, but Mm -hmm. authentic means that you're, you're living the truth of who you are and you're speaking your truth and you're willing to be vulnerable and, and you're, but it's about, we need leaders that show humility that don't take this place of hierarchy and, um, lead from their heart because they really care about positive impact and they care about people. Right. And that's whether you're a male or a female, it, it doesn't matter. It, it's I want to see that from any leader. Can I? But Wait. I think that women are more I mean, we've got a, we're a little ahead of the game on emotional intelligence. Right. And that's for a couple reasons. <laughs> a, we um, we've been allowed to process our feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, up it until my son's also. generation and he's 21 men, boys were taught to stuff their emotions and not to not that it was weakness and don't show vulnerability and all of those things. So, so they haven't, they're behind us because they didn't get a chance to, to learn emotional intelligence because they weren't all, they were stifled, which is very sad. But there's also another piece and it's genetic in that in the right and left brain, and you can call that the yin and the yang, you can call it masculine and feminine, but the, it's only connected by one channel called the corpus callosum in the, in the brain. And in a woman, biologically that is a much wider larger channel between left brain and right brain activity and so that's why if you went to a counseling session with your husband, like a, a marriage therapy or a counseling therapy or whatever, that a woman is processing real time as we're getting into this heavy, deep emotional stuff and feelings. And a man will need to go home into his cave for a couple days to fully process everything that transpired in that hour session. Mm-hmm. It's because he literally kind of has a bandwidth issue in moving between left and right brain activity. So that's why they're so comfortable for them to stay in left brain.
2: I feel like in my relationship I would get frustrated, but really he just needed like a day to process what I would say. And I'd think, Why aren't you receiving my message
0: now? Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Right. The next day he would. Yeah yeah so it's it's kind of you gonna have to cut them some slack, but I think as more women so women need to step up their masculine game in my opinion, being more decisive, being bigger risk takers being more direct in their communications.
2: Can I ask um, you you in your cisco story you just mentioned not uh shoot <laughs> sorry you just mentioned like speaking up and having that trigger moment whenever you'd feel like you were being stifled yeah. then making a point to step up and say it yeah if if there was a moment where you said something where you felt like you had three heads uh you know d- the reality of it was I guess I'm curious when you spoke up even if the message wasn't received you didn't feel like you failed overall I mean it shouldn't silence you permanently it's like no, oh, okay we... that one wasn't taken
0: no and I think that was you yeah, that was a little bit of uh, that was something I learned over time right, as yeah. well. Right. I kind of learned to refine, I learned not to take it personally. And it's like any idea, right. It right. can be shot down. But I, I think for me, it was learning not to be stifled by fear that, that fear usually means that's what the direction you need to go, whatever you're afraid totally. of or fearing or f- afraid to speak up. Um, and, and like, we could totally get into why are women so afraid to speak? Right, speak their truth and stand up for themselves and have boundaries. And you know, think about think about history for women. I mean, women have been they've been mutilized, have you seen suffragette, <laughs> burned at the stake. Enslaved, you know, um, put in sex trafficking, no legal rights. I mean, it's only it hasn't been a hundred years yet that we've had the right to vote in today's election day, right? It's not. It's been ninety five years since women gained the right to vote in our own country. So, of course, it's scary for women to speak up. We carry that in our lineage. We carry it in cellular memory. We carry it from you know our, you know conditioning from our mothers, our grandmothers. Because when a woman spoke up, it could literally mean death.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we forget that. I mean, I think about my own mother, the university, she, I mean, she went to Columbia University for grad school, I think the, maybe two years after they started admitting women to that university. Wow. You know, I mean, they didn't let women in until 1980 or 83, something like this. And then, and then I attended the same school years later, but like, like it took time. Yeah. Yeah. Only that one. Anyway, that one. Yeah. That's a
0: trailblazer for sure.
2: Do we need, we're taking a break okay yes we're gonna take a mini right. break <laughs>
1: but when we come back i want to talk about i want to bring in the masculine again i have some sort of devil's advocate questions
2: <laughs> naughty <laughs> um, uh,
1: about masculine approach and that the effectiveness of that versus the effectiveness of the feminine approach
2: all right you can tweet us at ta talk sex uh, Instagram, TA Talk Sex, as well. And uh, can- write us a review on iTunes because that's the best way to get this great information to other people. And check out Lisa's work at
1: lisamariejenkins.com and her book, Wake Up Beauty. It's not about the prince. You're
2: listening to TNA Talk Sex, pushing your boundaries. I'm T. And I'm A.
1: welcome back we're talking with lisa marie jenkins she's the author of the book wake up beauty it's not about the prince
2: can i say i love the title because uh i feel like i struggled with this like i had a long relationship where a great man incredibly smart by the way very (laughs) left-brained well both actually i mean he had incredible creative capacity but anyway was working in the left brain so it dominated um but i i found myself silenced in the relationship and um And moving on, I've been able to find my strength. And I've also been reading more and learning about these kinds of things. Like you're saying, Lisa, even stepping into more leadership roles in uh, producing projects, this kind of thing, and seeing where I hold my tongue, seeing where I... uh, yeah and then and then yeah. my fear is of falling into a relationship where i basically become the sleeping beauty and and I'm a bit mute in a in a dynamic uh, yeah, because it's easier to lean on him or something yes
0: and that's that's like the whole purpose the title is about it's like sleeping beauty did not wake up when prince charming kissed her that is the biggest fattest lie we've ever been told as a little girl. sleeping beauty when prince charming kissed her she went to sleep on herself and her own passion and purpose and worth because she believed romantic love was meant to provide that to her so that's really what the, where the title comes from it's it's that we look for something outside of ourselves as opposed to taking responsibility for our own passion purpose and worth and that never comes from anything outside of us especially romantic love and and men fall in that category as well and that and that's one of the things I started seeing in corporate America with really powerful women and I'll never the the first time it was a VP that I knew um, at a large company and this she was a little petite very attractive young woman and she was a powerhouse like super smart just you know balls to the wall go get her took no shit from anybody and then I saw her with her fiance and a networking business social situation and I could not believe the disrespect in how he spoke to her. I, and I was like, wow, like there's a dichotomy right there. Like she was powerful mm. at work and in the romantic relationship she was powerless and I'm like raising my hand. I'm like, mm. oh my God, that's so me. And so I started noticing more and more women that were were owning their game in the workplace but still didn't have any self-esteem in the romantic relationship they felt like they had to they they had to keep keep it or maintain it to stay whole or they wouldn't be good enough if they didn't have a man and so they would they would give up their their own boundaries or their own worth in order to maintain it because they knew if they didn't they'd rock the apple cart right and it'd be over
1: wow yeah
0: so <laughs> oh,
2: <let's take laughs> I'm like yeah there's like
1: <laughs> so many things running through my mind okay um
2: You were going to be devil's advocate. I was. I know. And
1: I'm okay. So here's here's. Yeah.
2: Did you have a little moment you wanted to share about being silenced? No. Well, I mean,
1: (laughs) sure. (laughs) How many? No. (laughs) No,
2: I mean, we can all raise our hands and that people would say to me, I think you're a strong woman when they meet me like I'm I have presence. Right. But but I was silenced. I mean, I did it, too in I m- myself to- I should say I did it to myself
1: yeah I I yes okay so here's the thing yeah. let me let me let me uh, it's coming down to I have this thing and it's like I get feminine, and and I know this isn't, we're not going to really use that word feminism here because we all have agreed that we don't really like it.
2: I like but, it. <laughs> like tea, Actually, <laughs> tea, I personally. T will use it. I use it because I want to redefine it, like wash it of its stigma. Anyway, go ahead. I yeah. know, it's just, it's, yeah.
1: Well, okay, so I, I get the whole thing, and, and but I still feel like some of the things we're talking about is still um, um a little aggressive is that the word i want to use in terms of our dynamic like as we're talking about relationships and and being empowered and how that affects our relationships and and the the podcast that you did it's reinvention radio it's um it's steve olsher he also goes by mr bold it was a really fascinating show i mean go and watch it but i will he it was really I mean, I have to be grateful. No, I know
0: exactly. He said to me, he goes, So, Lisa, let me ask you a question. He goes, are you single? And I oh, said, yes, I know. Goes, I well, No, I could have killed him. He goes, no surprise there. <laughs> and so that's, that's the whole thing, right? Like, but I he- have
1: to, yeah, it is. But I, but I want to say this though, that it's, I kind of see what he's saying. What he said, yes, was, I know. what are he said, was,
0: <laughs> he said,
1: he's like, okay, I, I mean, do men want women to be successful? Like we want a woman who's a woman, and I'm like, Steve, I'm like, you're not understanding what she's saying. That's what she's saying. Like, we all want women to be women. But like when we were talking, so I, I don't have this all figured out, so this will probably be jumbled. But when we're talking about, um, you, like we were talking about providing, like, he, and he had mentioned that too. He's like, we want to be needed. Yes. We want to provide. And I feel like I've been going through this thing in my own personal life in the last six months where I'm exploring this too. I'm a very strong and independent woman. I have been. I feel like I've come from a, a place of being this programming of being too strong. And so it's been this process and evolution of rediscovering this feminine, softer power. And as I'm playing with this in my relationship dynamics, I feel like one thing that's that's been illuminated is being in relation, I don't know how do I say this. There's a way to be strong and independent and yet mm-hmm. still be provided for and need and rely on your man. Like yes like he'll put food on my plate he'll make like he'll open my door he'll like all these soft things that I think women have shunned and like oh I don't
0: need that they're almost superficial
2: blocks rather than real internal changes right yes
0: because men still I mean from a DNA level still they they need to feel they need to they need to feel like they can fluff up pump up their chest feathers right like you need me I'm but um, I have to. Inter-
1: it is, but I have to say, as a woman, I am also really enjoying that, and it's not weakening me. It's not like I'm weakened uh, in any way. So, I'm, I'm so just- how
0: are you allowing it? I'm really curious. So, how do you? Uh, because it's so timely. Because I'm. I've been actually talking to a relationship coach, and she's all about this about yeah. women. Yeah. Well, so go ahead.
1: Yeah, and this is all again. This is all still like in experimental mode. Um. So I'll write a blog when I come to in a full epiphany on it. But um, at the moment, it's it's in a way that it is more superficial. Like I said, like small things, but they really have an impact, like allowing him to put food on my plate, opening the door. I um, I once had a suitcase
2: so heavy that I couldn't lift it and I let big men help me with it.
0: Yeah. stuff like that but also and they love it right it, they it love makes, it. it they feel great when well, they get to hell well but yeah, you're praising don't, them don't sidetrack being,
2: fine <laughs> i'm just you're right. i was making a little joke but okay, so hold on but a second true. So, but, i praise them but and, happy. and
1: that's great but more than that it's also um and maybe here's the thing it's a man that i can actually rely on like he's actually intelligent in emotionally and in many he's also older I don't know if that helps, (laughs) I think. No, I think a man
2: who I was dating someone a few years younger. And I mean, you know, so he's in his 20s. He's so supportive. But what I'm saying is, actually, I think you're getting to like a confidant, someone that you can have an emotional support with, someone that you can turn to. Yeah,
1: I guess I feel like like in my past, it's been more of um, needing someone, honestly, subconsciously needing them for validation from my male partner. Which I yeah. think is like the weaker feminine thing and I and that we can get trapped into, versus now it's like he empowers me all the way. He's all like, Go live your dreams, go do this, blah, blah, blah. And actually this dynamic we have where I feel more submissive. I feel like I'm I I'll even defer, and, and you guys might hate me for this. But, but when it comes to making plans or something, I don't even care. I'm like, I trust that every, like everything he chooses is going to be so fun and fantastic. I'm like, I don't even, you go ahead and dominate that plan. You make it like, and I feel like that's a very male thing, allowing him to step in and do yes. that. And I'm enjoying being the submissive. Oh, great. Go create a wonderful experience for me. And I feel taken care of. I feel like a a queen. I feel very respected and I feel soft still. Yes.
0: Can I and say I th- so? You just hit it. Like I haven't learned that skill. I will just be honest. <laughs> like that's something I'm actively working on. But I think that's as we as we come into balance and we start own, you know, we don't need a true, we don't need someone to kill the saber tooth tiger or bring, you know, literally right. like go and catch our food. But the point is, is we have to play that role. That that allows us to southern women have figured this out a long time ago, by the way, but <laughs> the Georgia Peach, there's a lot of truth in that she plays that submissive. But really, she's always in charge and always in power, but she plays it. So he always feels like he is. Yes. But, but, but I wonder if that was done that. with
1: manipulation,
2: though. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. No, I don't think I don't think Lisa it, it's but the best but it way can't, to go. If you don't look at it from the right perspective, it could seem yes, manipulative true. for sure. But so this this what you're talking about is exactly what this relationship coach is talking about. And I will give her a plug. Her name is Karen Card. Um C-A-R-D, but she she gave the story, and I thought it was fabulous because it's exactly what you're talking about. And she's like, so the the beautiful princess was trapped in the tower by a fire a fire-breathing dragon. And her father, the king, put out to all the land the the knight that can come and slay the dragon and save her, can have her um, as as his wife. So Of course, a a, a, a big, strong, handsome knight came and he was all excited to slay the dragon because she was very beautiful and he wanted to marry her. So he's getting – he took his sword out and he's getting ready to slay the dragon and the princess yells from the top, wait, wait, don't do it with your sword. That will create – a bloody mess. Go get a noose and then come back and strangle him. <laughs> and so so the prince leaves and he goes and he gets his noose, right? And he comes back and he's, he's lassos it up and he's ready to swing it and put it in there. And she's like, no, 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 don't do that. I decide it would be better if we'll, if we just poison him. So I'll just come down and I'll put some poison in the oh food my God. and then we'll kill him together. I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh my God, that's me. That is just so <laughs>
1: Like, i had a i had a wait, big wait, moment wait, is okay. at the end of the story hold on
2: lisa are you there yeah oh, <laughs>
0: did we cut you off did <laughs> we like, cut you,
1: was there more
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so basically if you think about that i mean how how is the prince feeling at that point
1: totally emasculated and like shit exactly
0: exactly <laughs> yeah so that's the whole thing is that we don't You know, we're so busy trying to just stand our ground and own our power that we can emasculate in the process. And that's that's the softness, the submissiveness that you just mentioned that we have to cultivate as well. Well, I think it's just what you said
2: is trying to control the like micromanage. Basically, I mean, you know, being too hands on rather than trusting that the other person's strong as well. Like if we take it out of gender for a moment, I feel like that's at the core of it. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it is this oxymoron. And this is why I'm like, I don't feel... Super like it still is an exploration There's a lot of questions in my mind but there it's like There's a time and there's a place Or there's like I I don't know you know but um, but I do, I'm glad we're talking about this because I want all the guys listening like it and,
0: and Mr. Bold too. <laughs> it's not about, well, it's, you know what it's in, like I talked about on that part, po- it's, it's about diversity to me. And, and if you just look at, we've lived in a very masculine driven world from politics to business, it's all been very masculine driven, very male driven as well. And what, what happens is, is that It's the diversity in our thoughts, in our creativity, and our skill sets that really allow true success and shifts and major changes to happen. So if we keep trying to, you know, it's it's what's that famous quote by. Einstein if you can't solve the same problem with the same thinking that created the problem. Mm -hmm. Well that's what we're doing when we just keep doing the same round and round pure masculine masculine driven way. And so I don't want I want females to bring more of diversity, right? They bring that compassion, that empathy, that intuition. And we still need the masculine. Absolutely. But it's about balance. So if you look at you have a mixture of skill sets and you have a mixture of masculine and feminine in the room. I mean, of course there's going to be more success, and the beauty of that is there are a half a dozen studies out now from C-level execs to boards that companies that employ more women in C-level roles and on their boards will outperform their competitors on almost every measure of profitability. And that's not because women are better or smarter. It's because they're creating that diversity in their leadership.
2: I think that's ah. such an important thing to emphasize. Okay, so, well,
1: I guess, which brings up my whole, well, Steve Olsher also had another concern. He'd said, well, I, and and this is, again, grateful that he's bringing up the typical. I never got
0: past the one after he said, well, no, no surprise there that you're single. <laughs> oh, well, you, you were know, just like too I, red. At that point, I was like, oh, shit, what am I going to do <laughs> right, right, I, like, I know, like, I was like, ah, okay, wait, speaking on. of that, I know, I'll
2: let you, I just want to note that that is a way of silencing someone, right? I mean, it's such an aggressive um, shame trigger, like that's yes. the goal, <sighs> and I people know. don't realize it. But those little quick comments can be so digging. But go I ahead. Know, a. But what he's you, you
1: know let's let's understand that he's coming from a, a threatened place. So let's address it. And his issue, his what he one of the things he said was, um, it, you know, look for my organization. I want to make sure that we're going to win. I want to make sure that we're going to be effective and I want to make sure that we're being led to success. And so... Driven. Right. And he's like, and for me, I feel like I need a man. I need someone who's going to fight for me and who's going to fight and win and be willing to do that. And I guess the assumption there is that women are not going to fight, that it's going to be this softer, more... Well, let's talk about it. And it's like, there's Frankly, and a I, little
2: bit of an Obama approach. in well, the, uh, <laughs> And I kind of see what he's
1: saying. Like, I, I see handed. what he's saying. Like, if you if you're envisioning the far, far, far spectrum of a feminine approach, yeah. you're right. Like having that 100 percent is not going to breed success. I don't think there does need to be the balance. But yes. I think that's what his concern is like think or assuming. And maybe this is a mass concern that the feminine is too weak to or those qualities are those it's not a fighting quality feminine no and that's
0: where you know this might be a little woo-woo for you but if you think about when when you hear the term inspired action right it means in spirit so if you think of if you take left and right brain, the right brain is the inspiration, the ideas, the creativity. And then the left brain is really the slave to carry out the action, to be decisive, to go into action, to be resilient if you fail and get up and do it again. But if, if you're taking action purely from the left brain as your master, right, it's coming purely from a win competitive place and it's not coming from the right brain of inspired action, right? So, and I think that's that's the mix up there is you have to have both to be truly successful.
1: Well said. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, what was I going to say? Um, Oh my God. I totally just lost my train of thought. It was about, Oh, my client. Oh, uh, why? Okay. So I, I had a stint in the sex industry and my clients, I feel like this is important because, um, I had you know I was really it was a very healing I felt it was a healing role that I was taking so as I'm listening to these men you know I was very curious about their home situations and so I did a lot I interviewed them a lot actually and um, and I saw these two things happening one was there was typically there's a group of men who have women who are in the work world and they're very successful and these men feel like they are on the bottom of the list And they're often talked down to, they're not respected, there's no time for them, but there's just this lack of honor, I guess, and they felt um, weakened. And so they would reach out beyond their marriage for intimacy. And then there's this second group of men where the women were, um, had no other interests outside of the family, and all their conversations revolved around kids and the woman like it's like oh hey let's go away for the weekend what do you want to do I don't know honey um you know I don't care whatever and so it, they would describe that and no that was there was no right and so there was a lack of inspiration and they were there was boredom and that they just saw her as a roommate kind of or someone like I, I, so I guess it's interesting uh, you know I feel like we're talking about this in regards to sexuality because I do feel like um the balance and the power that we as women hold and how we use it in our lives professionally for what we're doing really does affect our home life. Like I saw this in these guys and I'm like, Oh my God, how do I not be either of these groups of women? <laughs> right.
2: Like in the bedroom and out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's, there's also responsibility there on both sides of, oh, sure. of what that union is really about. And I kind of just lost my train of thought, but, <laughs> but I, I let's let's just be frank. I mean men if if they if they don't consciously outthink their DNA, they are primitively driven to procreate and continue our species. Mm -hmm. Right. And they, and so so I was engaged to a special forces black hawk pilot in my forties, we were together for three years and he, he had a great balance. So here's this tough guy, you know, like special forces pilot, but he also had this really, like, he loved to cook. He loved to decorate. He was very sensitive, like in our, in our relationship. But he said to me one time, he's like, Lisa, he goes, every man out there every woman that he sees throughout his day looks at her with one discernment, I would do her or I wouldn't do her. And, and so I think sometimes, you know, like men have to start consciously out. They have to start outgrowing that, that just DNA and get beyond that. They have to take some responsibility for it. And I think that women have to take some responsibility as well of what, what the union's really about. And I, you, I've heard both of those things so many times, but you know the sex industry is dark and it's growing and it, you know, when you just look at, I mean, I've had my share of invites to the strip clubs. I'm mean, Tampa's famous for, for a strip club called Mons Venus. And we, I would be at conferences in Orlando. And I mean, it didn't matter where the guy was from. They had heard of Mons Venus and a group mm. of guys would make a road trip from Orlando over to Tampa to check this place out. But I'll tell you also, my housekeeper was in the sex trafficking industry. And she mm. was one of the girls that was bust in those kind of places to work the pole and then work the back rooms. Oh. And she was not free. She was a victim, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's so when men enter those kind of dark worlds, I mean, they bring that back to their family, too. Right. I mean, let's face it. Men are physically driven to have sex and women want romance and want to feel intimately connected in order to to have sex. And so we both have to take some responsibility for cultivating a deeper relationship around sex. Right.
1: We do. Yeah. No, we do. And I didn't bring this up to go into like a whole other topic, the sex industry. But, um, but, but yes, you're right. The idea of, it comes back to balance. I mean, I'll say this, I
2: even struggle with, uh, the balance. Like I'm, I'm kind of, I would say I'm entering that phase where you really start focusing. And I think for men, my age, they, they pilot into their careers and often don't have time for full relationships with a woman. And that's caused me like emotional pain. But then I'm also going, well, yeah, but I'm buckling down and also driving at my career. Um, I think right now in the United States there's a tough balance and and kind of identifying what's our priorities well yeah mm-hmm. and, and
0: I th- and it shows in the divorce rate right yeah, yeah
1: and I think that <sighs> boils down to our cultural value of um, what's the word I'm looking for um, cultural value of like achieving yeah um, status yes. yes so Lisa yes. I wanted to ask you what we can do what women and men alike, but let's start with women, what women can do to, uh, to change the way they're approaching their work environment or what they're doing in life.
0: Well, what stands out to me is, is a, as women step into that. You know, you mentioned it, just that full embodied, you're, you're soft and submissive, but you're in your power and that's balance, right? That's masculine and feminine power. You don't need to be aggressive, to be in your power, right? You can be in a loving, kind, um, graceful place, right? Like I love the word grace and and I use that word a lot because not in a religious term, but if you think about a ballerina, right, she's probably the most graceful. (laughs) She's, she's so incredibly graceful and she makes it look so effortless, but why is she so graceful? Because she is so incredibly power from her core out, right? And that's, that's what it's about. So, but I think for women, it's, this, this was a big thing for me in corporate America. I, and this is hard for me to admit out loud, but I think it, it, has, it has a point in that I purposely navigated my career so I would not report to a woman. Hmm. And the reason is because I saw most women – it didn't mean by any – it's an absolute by any means. But I certainly saw for the majority, most women were going to either micromanage the shit out of me or they were going to see me as a threat and they were going to keep me oppressed. And when I worked for men, men were fabulous in that, go do your thing, Lisa, just call me if you need me. You know, like they, they were hands off and as long as I was performing, getting the job done, hitting my quota, whatever, they, they were fine with me. And I didn't see women managing the same way. Mm-hmm. And so I think we almost hurt each other. And that's a big thing for me. And there's a famous quote by Madeleine Albright, former secretary of state. And she said, there's a special place in hell for women that don't support other women. Yeah. So right. that's a big thing that women need to start seeing. It is in our unity. It's in our sisterhood. It's in supporting one another to get our courage game on that we all rise. And not coming from a fear scarcity model that we're in opposition or we're in competition with each other. Right. So that's a big thing. I, I, and I think as women start coming into their own balance that we free men up to start exploring the feminine side that they've, they've had, they've been forced to neglect in their upbringings.
2: Yes. Yeah. So I just thought of martial arts when we were talking about that energy of, be, you know, submissive or like, you know. Aikido. Not, yeah. I not think- pushing. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Not pushing, but rather allowing that person's energy to come at you and and yielding, and through yielding, able to take control. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and, I saw, and
0: you. and women live a lot by external approval, and we need to let go of that.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like, it's not an easy solution. It's a constant evolution, and I and you're right. We have, you know, thousands of years of this story of, right. Like, you know, in our DNA. So it's, well, I, but it's up to us to be aware and we can take small actions.
0: <laughs> yeah. Can I, well, Hey, up? there's a reason we call it mother earth, right? We don't call it father earth. We call it mother earth. You no, know, and our earth is not very happy right now with how we've been treating her from a masculine perspective, right. From everything from war to bombing, to fracking, to oil drilling, to, and, and it's through, when I say feminize, right. If we don't start bringing in this true caring and compassion and empathy and love, right into the world in every aspect of the world, not just in our personal lives, but in our work environments, in our political environments. I mean, that's ultimately what's going to save the world.
2: Can I, so to bring it back to men and what they're like, also how they can be more feminine in their workplace. I mean, for me, you mentioned kind of adjectives like loyal, flexible, intuitive. Um, I feel like the best businessmen and maybe the most successful men that I admire are exhibiting those qualities and they have both and- um, so I wondered if you could talk a little about, you know, how men can move into that space more or what, you know, what kind of
0: trends you see with them as well. I think it, I think it's starting, you know, I mean, if men are so predominantly the primary decision makers, they're the ones that we need to educate the most to start making the shift. I mean, I, you, we can't keep having this. It, it, these women's conferences in silos, right? We've yeah, got to silos. start including the men in these conversations. And, and that's where the real, because they're still the primary decision makers. So they're the ones that have to reach that shift. But somebody just told me a story yesterday. He's a, a major leadership consultant for big, big organizations. And he goes in and he helps develop leadership teams and um, change cultures and so forth. And he was telling about this company that he worked with and at their annual ma- meeting, the CEO, and it was the first time they implemented a 360 degree where every employee, so this was, these were 200 managers and up from the company. And the, it was the first time they did a 360 degree where you know they get feedback from their manager, from their peers, from their customers, from so forth. And the guy got up there, and this is almost unheard of in a male-dominated world, right? The guy got up there and said, I want you to read your 360 reviews and I want you to share them with other people. He goes, and I want you to take a look at the feedback that you get. And I can't ask you to do that unless I'm willing to be vulnerable enough to do that myself. He stood on stage in front of his company and he read his 360 review out loud, good, bad, ugly, and really ugly. And he was wow. vulnerable enough to share what other people said about him in front of his audience. Right? Like that's a leader.
2: That is a leader. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wow, that's a great story. That's a great example. <laughs> on that note. on oh, no, Yeah, no, I'm like, thinking, <laughs> am thinking, thinking. Either, do you have anything, any other tidbits There's... you'd like to share, Lisa, before we sign because off? Because we could or... go on all day, so. Exactly. <laughs> Did we leave any kind of core messages out that, that, you're that you'd really... like to shout out?
0: I don't know. One one of my biggest mottos is, is that when you come into your own power and your own truth and your own, your own gift, right? Because I think we each come into the world with a very unique gift and it doesn't have to be something big and grandiose, but it's something that's as unique to you as your thumbprint. When you come into that, that calling, that purpose, what lights you up, you automatically are not only are you just happier, you automatically contribute to the healing of the world in some way. And that's what everybody's job is ultimately, is that when we come into our own power and our own unique skills and our, and we light ourselves up, we contribute to the world. And that's what we're all meant to do.
2: Amen. Yeah, beautiful. Actually, can I just add a tidbit when we were talking about relationships and men and women and kind of that that balance? I thought about the idea of um gifts to each other and it's so less about being submissive or who's who's in power in these moments but rather like celebrating each other and and showing support through gifts like almost metaphorically gifts but like giving, that thoughtfulness. right yes coming from thoughtfulness and giving and mutually doing that i think creates a beautiful balance that's mm-hmm. true agreed <laughs> Yeah. All right.
1: Well, we you've been talking with Lisa Marie Jenkins, um, she's the author of Wake Up Beauty, It's Not About the Prince. And uh, she also, you, you consult, you speak. So if you want to f- bring her to you or go to her, you can go to lisamariejenkins.com to check out her work. She's also on Twitter at lisajenkins920. And you can find us at TA Talk Sex on Twitter as well as Instagram. Um, check out our blog right now. It's still pbwithta.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Confusing. laughs> Welcome change. to our new name change and the awkward shift. In the <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and yeah. Um, a- oh, that Lisa. was being vulnerable, putting yeah. yourself out there. There you go. Thank yes, you. Thank you. Thank you for your wisdom. This was fantastic. Oh, well, uh, thank you. This was so fun and so awesome. I enjoyed it very much.
2: Yay.
0: Keep doing your great work. Thank <laughs> you. Thank
2: you. You're listening to TNA Talk Sex, where we push your boundaries. I'm T. And I'm A.
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.